Hear NFL legends, players, coaches, and media members from around the country sharing their insights and stories with us year-round. Here on Thursday night, tailgate, 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 tail, 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 tailgate. Before we get to our next guest, Otis Anderson, we want to give a shout-out to our good friend Don Stargell Moore, daughter of my childhood hero, Willie Stargell. Donna owns a consulting company called More to Life, and that's a number two, More to Life Consultants. It's a premier executive career and leadership coaching firm with over 20 years of leadership experience. Their goal is to work with companies that desire organizational change, accountability, and authenticity, which promotes high levels of employee engagement, and they also support individuals seeking to grow personally and professionally. Remember, folks, life changes in the blink of an eye, so live your best life on purpose. You can contact More to Life Consultants at m2lifeconsultants.com, and that's M, the number two, lifeconsultants.com, or give them a call at 855-888-2840. That's 855-888-2840. And now joining us here on Thursday Night Tailgate is former Cardinals and Giants running back Otis O.J. Anderson. Let me remind you about Otis's background. He's from West Palm Beach, Florida. In high school, played football and ran track. Played his college ball at the University of Miami, where he became the first Hurricanes running back to rush for more than 1,000 yards in a season. Doing so his senior year, rushing for just under 1,300 yards. He broke Chuck Foreman's single season and career rushing records at Miami. And that senior season, he was named first-team All-American by the Sporting News and American football coaches. Graduated with his degree in physical education. And even though he left in the draft in 1979, he still remained second all-time in rushing yards and total yards from scrimmage. He was inducted into the Miami Sports Hall of Fame in 1990 and the University of Miami Ring of Honor in 1999. He was a first-round draft pick, the, the number eight overall selection by the then St. Louis Cardinals and played in the league from 79 to 92 for the Cardinals and the Giants. He was the Offensive Rookie of the Year in 1979 the Comeback Player of the Year in 1989, and he helped the Giants win Super Bowls 21 and 25. In fact, was the MVP in Super Bowl 25, rushing for 102 yards and a touchdown. Over the course of his career, he rushed for 10,273 yards, which still ranks him 30th all-time, and we're extremely honored to have him with us tonight here on Thursday Night Tailgate. Hey, Otis, Chris and Bob here. Thanks for coming on the show. Otis, how are you? How are you guys doing? Ah, we're fantastic. Thank you. Otis, I want to start our time with you by going back to the beginning because you come from a pretty large family, three brothers, a couple of sisters. Talk about what it was like growing up in the Anderson household. Very crowded. (laughs) (laughs) No doubt. uh, You know, we, um, you know, we, we, we did what we had to do, you know, for a family that only had uh, two bedrooms and one shower, uh, bath. So, you know, yeah, we, you know, you may do, you, you don't, you don't realize you don't have a whole lot because when you went around other people who in the same position you in, you, you know, you just, you just don't know. Otis, I got, I got to ask you a question because we had, uh, one of our listeners, Julio Antonio tweeted out to us and, and wanted us to ask you about the most memorable time you had in high school with Forest Hills. Oh wow! Um, I, I would say um, my uncle was a coach at Twin Lakes High School, 
and his name was Pookie Hall, and he told the the Phoenix uh, Rams at the time, I think that's what it was, not to kick the ball to me, not to punt it to me, and not to kick it to me. And the kicker decided that he's going to kick it to me, and I took it to the house 100-something yards and ran wow. down the sideline on the sideline where he was coaching. I can hear him saying, I told you, I told you not to kick it to me. <laughs> and, and so I passed the sideline. So uh kind of remember that. That was kind of funny for me. And obviously you go on to play at the University of Miami, and, and you and you played there before Howard Schnellerberger got there and, and got the program really to become a powerhouse. You get there in 75, and they hadn't been to a Pro Bowl game since 67. What got you to go to the University of Miami? Because I'm, I'm guessing there had to be a whole bunch of schools out there trying to recruit you. Well, I, I did, but I was a, you know, a, a mama's boy. Um I had an older brother that went out to Arkansas for a school and uh, later, you know, passed away. But um, I didn't want to do that to my mom for going far away to school in case something happened. She she was only an hour, 30 minutes away going to Miami. But, yeah, I had offers for other schools. And, and what got me to go to Miami was two things. Uh, when they were recruiting me, it was Carl Selman, who used to be the offensive line coach for the University of Oklahoma uh, at the time. And he had just been a part of Pete Elliott's coaching staff. And Pete Elliott was the head coach. And when Carl Selmers was was recruiting, uh, he said to me that if I come to Miami, I'll play as a freshman. And that Miami hadn't hadn't recruited any other running back. So I'm thinking that I'm the only running back that's going to Miami. And I get to Miami and realize that they told 15 other running backs the same thing. And I was just one, of, one that was in line uh, trying to wait for his, his time. But And then Pete Elliott decided that he was going to go to athletic director and Carl Selma became the head coach. And he coached for two years. And then later on, he gave it up. And then Lou Saban came in from Buffalo Bill, Lou Saban, Coach O.J. Simpson. And Lou Saban told me my junior year that I had similar qualities of O.J. Simpson with my running style, uh, the skip cut that he saw him do that I was capable of, of duplicating, and uh, and and he and he really he really helped me to become pro ready because he gave us a pro offense that would be um, easy to um, pick up if you were drafted and you did get a chance to go to um, professional football. So I was kind of hit at the curve. Yes, Howard came in my senior year during the spring, and he looked and looked and looked and tried to see if I had any more eligibility left. But unfortunately, and fortunately for me, that I played as a freshman, which I led the team in rushing as a freshman with like three 300 yards, I think it was. And I played out of position, which was fullback. So, so I, you know, so um, it was just, um, it was just that time, just that time when, when, like, like I said, uh, Howard thought I had some years left, but I didn't. And then uh, I was the first running back selected in the draft and eighth overall. You mentioned Lou Saban, and we've all seen the highlights on NFL films about Lou on the sidelines. Seemed like a pretty animated coach. What are some of your favorite Lou Saban stories? Uh, 
Luke Luke claims that I was one of those players who he said if 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 he if he didn't demand me to run a hundred yards, I'll run ninety. He said I was one of those players who never wanted to push his ability. Um he had to be I had to be uh not threatened but challenged. And uh and that that's when he felt he can get the best out of me. So he would do mind games to challenge me. I remember one time we were running gasters and I always ran, you know, we ran three, I believe. And on the last one, I would just smoke everybody. But the first two, I ran in the pile. And then uh, he said one day, I, watching that for about, well, maybe about a week, he tells the uh, the receivers and, and defensive backs, he said, listen, any player that beat Anderson, get to run one gasser. If he beat you, you run two. So neat. And he said, if, if each gasser I lost, I had to run it the next day, whatever, you know, if I lost, Two, I had to run two extra ones. I lost one. To, so I need to say um, I don't recall losing too many of those those gassers. So, <laughs> so you know, he just had a way of just really uh, pushing pushing not only me but everybody to kind of, you know, play to the best of their ability. Five questions for Otis. Yeah, Otis, it's a, it's a pleasure to speak with you and honor, and I, I enjoyed watching you both in St. Louis and New York. And, you know, arguably you had one of the greatest rookie seasons ever for a running back at 1,600-plus yards back in 79. But I think people often didn't realize how good of a receiver you were out of the backfield. You know, you almost caught 400 passes in your career, and you were regularly over 50 receptions, which is, is unheard of at times. Is that one of the things, Otis, you knew you had to do well to become known as an all-around good running back, to to be able to catch the ball a lot out of the backfield. Well, that, that's a lot to do with Luke Saban. I came out of high school in little league football, learning and playing playing sandlot football with my friends. You had to learn how to catch the football, and then every level of of the game that you 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 progress to, you had to learn how to catch football. It was all part of it. You just couldn't just catch. You had to learn how to block as well, but. Back then, we didn't do straight up blocking. We do chop blocking, which was, you know, what we learned. Um, so every level I had to learn to catch the football. Not learn, I just had to do that. But what was, what was great was when, when my rookie year, um, Oklahoma coach, Bud Wilkinson was my coach and he came into the meeting room, offensive meeting room and Jim Sweeney, who coached, uh, Fresno State was my position coach. And Bud Wilkinson came in my rookie season and said, listen, 32 amateur, he don't block. All he does is catch and run. That's all I want him to do. And walked out to me, and I was like, that's okay for me, you know. <laughs> and and uh, that's pretty much what happened my rookie season. It just was a lot of uh, running, which you, you see. And I think that my rookie season, uh, I think I had like maybe 40, 50-some passes. But what was interesting is just ironic that Stephen Baker and I was, was, was talking because we have this this thing about having uh Ed Sable Ed I think his name Ed who does all the NFL films that voice of yeah, him right and, and Stephen was was saying always wanted that guy to do highlights on him which was Stephen and he said he said did did you ever get him I said I don't know and then he pulled up a few clips where Sable where, where you know he did do some do my 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 uh my game. And 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 then I was saying Stephen, and we started talking about 
Hall of Fame guys who was in the Hall of Fame. And uh, he was like, he's like, well, you know what? He said, I wonder how many yards you have when it come down to Earl Campbell and come down to Terrell Davis. And he mentioned other players, but those two common names everybody know. And I said to Steve, I said, well, when I retired in 70, in, I'm sorry, in 1993, 92, I was the eighth leading rusher in the history of the NFL. Eight, eight. And I was eight for a while, way past five years after I was out of the game. I still was like top eight or in the least top ten and, and never got any invites anything to the, to the Hall of Fame. Need to say where we are now. So what we're just talking about, and Steve just put my stats up against those guys. He said, man, I didn't realize you had that many catches. And, you know, per season, and he just did just a summary of, of from, you know, 79, 80, 81. We had a stoppage at work in 82 where we didn't play a complete season. But then 83, 84, 85, I got hurt in this nine games. 86, I uh, played, started the season off, got traded, and didn't really get any more yardage. 87 was another stoppage of work. 88, I stopped playing short yardage and goal line for the Giants. 89, I played a full season, went over 1,000 yards. 90, I started the season off. Later on, Rodney Hampton took over. 90, uh, 90, 90, 91, I really didn't do anything. 92, really didn't do anything. And 93, I kind of retired. So when we was talking stats, I said, well, Bake, if you, if you take out 82 and just count 79, 80, 81, 83, 84, and, and those five seasons, and you put my numbers against any running back in the Hall of Fame, any running back, and watch where you see where I'm at. And, and we just started laughing. And he was like, dang, man. He said, I don't get it. I said, no, I don't get it. And I, I just, you know, I leave it as it is. Because I think what happened is people see 14 seasons and they go like, oh, wow, he got 10,000 yards, 14 seasons. Wow, that's not a whole lot, basically, if you think about it, if you if they're looking at it that way. But if they go back and look how I got those 10,000 yards, they will see that uh, my first five seasons, not counting the strike, my first five seasons, or you can say six, has been one of the most impressive first five seasons that any running back, any NFL ever put together. That's not in the Hall of Fame. So, so, so I'm sorry to go off, but you know, uh, it's just that Stephen brought that up to me, and uh, we just had fun with it today. And Otis, I, 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 I started the show off prefacing saying the same thing. I mean. Uh, so you have two supporters here, so uh, it's not Thank like you. everyone didn't notice. So we're right on that train. But, you know, and I, I was always impressed by your workload. You know, your first three years, you were well over 300 carries. And people would say, well, he had youth on his side. Well, you had 325 carries when you were 32 years old also. So you must have kept your body in incredible physical shape year-round. Well, you know, you know, being the running back that I was early in my career, you really didn't take great shots on me, uh, and which helps you out a lot. And then the fact that unlike these kids today, we gave our body a chance to rest. When the season was over with in, in January, I didn't do anything football-related until May. 
and that was just to get ready for mini camp. And once May was over with, I didn't do anything else until until after Fourth of July. So that when I went to training camp, those two weeks of however long we need gave us a chance to get our bodies in shape and everything. And then we didn't have all season where you had to lift weights and stuff like that. My first seven years of football, I never lift weights. Until I lift weights was when I was at Miami, the four years at Miami. And when I got to Miami as a rookie, as a freshman in, in 79, I couldn't even bench my body weight. At that time, it was 185 pounds. I couldn't bench, I couldn't bench 185. But by the time I graduated from Miami, I was in a 300-plus club, and uh, I could clean over, I think I was 200-something, cleaning and press and all that kind of crap. So, But I was never a guy who did squats. I just didn't believe in it, didn't do it. But yet, um, you know, I I I I had a you know productive career and and pretty much injury free because the fact that I gave my body a chance to rest and didn't do all that off season stuff. Otis, we can't have you on the show without asking you about the your Super Bowl experiences in Super Bowl twenty one, Super Bowl twenty five. Um Talk about what it was like being a part of both of those games and then what you were doing when Scott Norwood was lining up that kick. Where were you? Were you, were you watching? Did you not want to watch? What was that like? Okay, well, with Super Bowl 21, um, I was traded to the Giants, and I was part of a team that already was destined to play in the Super Bowl. They, they had such a great nucleus of veterans that was good for the team, from George Martin to, to – uh, to uh, Harry Carson and you had Phil leading us on. So we had a pretty good defense and a pretty good offense that was very productive. And all I, and, and then Joe Morris, who had just an excellent year in 86 where he went for 1,500 yards. So we had a team that was, was capable because I believe that the year before that, they lost to the, to, uh, the Bears in a playoff game. Right. So. So they were able to come back and get back into position again. And I remember when I showed up in 86, the fifth game of the season, I think fifth or sixth game of the season, uh, George Martin said, that's all we need now. We're going to the Super Bowl. And that was encouraging to know that he felt that strongly about my presence being part of the Giants organization. It was, was leading to that. But uh, Parcel did something that was very kind. Uh, I was back up to Joe Mars and back up to Maurice Carthon. When the game was pretty much at hand, we was down by the goal line, and Parcells called Joe Morris out of the game and said, listen, uh, I want to put OJ in, and I want him to get a chance to score a touchdown in case he never, ever make it here back again. Uh, he would have that experience. And I, and I really appreciate Parcells for giving me that opportunity to do that because he didn't have to do it. And he said, hey, kid, it's for the seven years that you played against us. You know, so go do your thing. And I was able to score. And in 80 and in 1991, um, thank God to a prediction that I made coming out of University of Miami as a rookie, uh, going into the pros. I told my roommate, Kenny Johnson, who played for the Giants for a year and a half. I told him I played in the state of Florida. I was a feature running back. I went with a player. And 12 years later, I was in Tampa with that opportunity to feel, fulfill that dream. Where was I? I was literally toward the end of the line, close toward our locker room. Had no one missed that field goal. 
made that field goal, I was into the locker room. I wasn't going to be a good sport about it, even though I had a teammate, Leonard Smith, playing for Buffalo Bills. But I, I just couldn't, you know, uh, um, be a good sport about it. But probably would have been. And I recall hearing Disney behind me saying, if he missed this field goal, you're the most valuable player. And on the other side of the field, Disney was telling Thurman Thomas, if he makes this field goal, you're the most valuable player. So need to say uh, it was missed, and we became a Super Bowl champion. And when they say I was going to be MVP, I didn't think I was MVP. I just thought I was Disney MVP, not that I was the MVP of the whole Super Bowl. So, you know, because you've seen those commercials where they say, hey, you know, you're going to Disney, whatever. Right. That didn't register. That didn't register to me that I was one of those people. I just was, you know, thinking that I was going to be that. And I remember, too, the night before we played, I was talking to Louis Tillman, and he always called me daddy. And uh, and he was saying, who do you think will win MVP of the Super Bowl? And I told him I was going to win. And then I told him because of my destiny, whatever. And then I said, you know what, not only that, somebody got to win, and why not me? And he was like, okay. And the first person that greeted me when I walked in the locker room was Lewis Tillman, jumping up and down. He said, Daddy, you said it, you said it, and you did it. You said it, and you did it. That's all he kept saying to me. And I was still puzzled because I'm thinking I'm Disney MVP. I'm not that MVP that I've seen other players stand up at the podium and say they're going to Disney and all that. Kind. I, that, that didn't click to me. That, that I was that I thought I was the league, you know, the league, like the Giants MVP and the league MVP, not that I was MVP of the whole Super Bowl. So that kind of caught me on a loop, but eventually caught on to me and I realized exactly what it was about. But at first, I didn't process it that way. Otis, just a couple more before we let you go. And, and I saw a couple of weeks okay. ago, you tweeted out that you need to uh, get up to GameStop and rent Tecmo Bowl because your speed rating is too low. <laughs> you get a hold of Tecmo Bowl, guys, and get your speed rating changed? Uh, listen, I don't even know why they got me sitting there as, as a big bruise or stuff, but you know, I'm pretty good at Tecmo Bowl. I, I'm not a bad running back. I mean, I get those tough yards and stuff, but they show me with no speed at all. But they forget, I came out of Miami running 4-4 in the 40. And if you watch some of my – Games, especially the Cowboys, my rookie season, hell, I hit about a 70-yard run, and ain't nobody coming in and catching me. And there's a lot of other games where I didn't get caught. So I don't understand it, but, you know, it's old technology, I guess. <laughs> it's stuck on smoke with me, you know. They, they won't let me in on new technology. They, they won't even, they won't, you know, like, uh, you know, with, with the Madden, which I won Madden uh, 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 trophy and was on one of Madden's all-time Madden teams, I understand. I thought if you ever made Madden, you will always be invited to be on Madden, and they can always go back in the archive and pull you out, and Madden will give you a good score. And I, and I understand why you know they still got me as, as a slowpoke, where I'm more of a bruiser than more of a speedback. So they kind of they, they they need to upgrade their they system, man. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. Otis, let our listeners know, how can they stay up to date with all the great things that you're doing now and follow you, whether it's online or it's on social media? Oh, man, you can just go to LinkedIn and find me. You can find me on Twitter. I'm I'm right now in conversation with USA Turf Company right now, and 
going to be uh, introducing uh, synthetic turf to companies all over the country, high school, colleges, uh, municipalities. So I'm going to be doing a little bit of that coming up soon. And I'm a patient ambassador for Nova Nordis, a diabetes company and obesity. And I've been a uh, patient ambassador that go around and and give my story about living day-to-day with diabetes and helping people who are dealing with obesity. So that's my slate, bro. That's my slate. Well, Otis, we thank you for your time. Um, uh, we we thank you for your time coming on TNT, and uh, we'd love to talk with you again down the road. Many stories that we yet to get to, and uh, we wish you the best of health, and please stay in touch. Thank you, and maybe the next time I come on, we have that story where we say, you said it from your mouth to God ears, you're going to the hole. That's right, and you know you have two supporters here, sir. Take care now. Appreciate it. Thanks a lot. We'll Bye-bye. see you. Bye-bye. Thank you, Otis. Bye-bye. Thank you, Otis. No problem. That's a great Otis Anderson. We've got our next guest, Todd Susie, hanging on the line. We're going to get to Seuss right on the other side of this real quick station break. 